Uh, Father, we do pray, just thank you for the people we do encounter and that are around us um, in daily life. Uh, thank you for Ken's opportunity with his client, and just pray that there be future follow-up conversations there to speak of you, to speak of the gospel, to speak of your excellencies, and even the situation with this fellow's job would uh, make him sensitive to that. Lord, thank you for the Thompsons being able to interact with um, uh, this family at Rosars. We pray that you would e indeed bring them here, uh, Lord. Um, bring them here to hear your word. Help us to be able to know them and come alongside them. And we pray for others, O oh Lord God, as we encounter them um, in our daily life to be able to speak of them, of you, because of how awesome and great you are. Lord, we uh, thank you for this morning. Uh, bless this time. Um, as we talk about um, Proverbs, uh, help us to understand how to read your word better. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so before Proverbs, um, next week, uh, the uh, Paul and Diana Mayhew, uh, who were missionaries that we have supported for multiple decades, um, we didn't support them this last year, but in fact they retired so um, they're kind of going around to the churches that have supported them in the past and just saying thank you and recounting kind of where things were left. So we're going to do that um, during equipping hour, and we're actually going to bump the start time um, up a little bit because it sounds like there's a fair amount that he, he'd like to share. So um, we're going to bump it back to nine, okay? Um, so extra 15 minutes for him. So we will start at 9 a.m. here next week, and I think there's... Uh, video and PowerPoint that he's supposed to send me, so we'll make sure that that's on the computer and all of that kind of business. Um, but um, so, uh, and they've they've also got a gift, a thank you gift to the church. Um, so uh, if you uh, want to make sure that you to hear Paul and Diana, uh, then that will uh, will be here next week at 9 a.m. during the equipping hour. Okay, so just want to make sure you guys are aware of that. All right, so uh, we've talked last about, uh, you know, we've been talking about how do you read the scriptures, and we're always talking about the question of uh, uncovering uh, the human author's intent. What is the human author saying? Because that's what God is saying. Uh, and basically, we've kind of had this basic framework of just kind of working through a text, observation, uh, what is the text saying, or and kind of under that heading, we can put also questions we have about the text, the observations and questions that help us uncover the human author's intent. And then we assemble those facts um, to interpret the text. And then, so we've got observation, interpretation, and then once we've interpreted the text, and only once we've interpreted the text, uh, then we are in a position to talk about application. Uh, well, how does this apply to me? We don't want to short circuit and jump straight from, well, what is the text saying to directly how does it apply to me? We want to get there, but we want to get there the right way. And we want to go through and understand interpretation first. And so then, um, since we've talked about that, we've basically been... Um, working through different genres um, of texts. So we talked started with New Testament epistle, and then we've talked the uh, last couple weeks about psalms. Uh, and since we're kind of in psalms territory, it's appropriate to go ahead and talk about proverbs. And proverbs are um, uh, unique, and um, they can be very easily mishandled. Um, so we want to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, and I think we can do it in one week um, so that... Uh, after Paul visits with us next week, the next week we'll talk about narrative, I think, is what we'll do. So um, let's talk about Proverbs. A couple background things, and I kind of did this with Psalms. I want to do it with Proverbs as well. What's a proverb? A proverb is usually a short, salty, concrete, fixed, paradigmatic, poetically crafted saying. Uh, um, 
basically, um, you know, there's the poetry. Proverbs are poetry. When we think about Proverbs, uh, and when I refer to that, I'm not just talking about the book. I'm talking about a proverb. Um, it is poetic, uh, and it's well-crafted uh, to get you to think, uh, to get you to think. Um, where do we find Proverbs? Of course, you find Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, but you actually find them sprinkled throughout the Old Testament as well. They're not only in Proverbs. Um, and, but, you know, primarily when we think about pro, um, individual Proverbs, we find them in the book of Proverbs. Uh, how do they work? Um, and that, this is important to think about. How do they work? Um, because in a lot of ways, it's like, well, you could go to the book of Proverbs, and a lot of it, it feels like, oh, I don't, it's just good advice or something like that. So how does this supposed to work? Well, uh, first thing I would say is you got to think about it in the context of Israel, and then you also have to think about it in the context of the law, okay? So we were talking about, and um, my group on Friday, we were talking a little bit about the law and the Israelite covenant and how it's supposed to function. Um, and basically, uh, what is supposed to happen with the law, the law was never designed um, by God to earn your salvation. It was never, ever designed for that. What it was supposed to do is you, were have, you have a relationship with God, and that's what Israel had through the Exodus. They had a relationship with God by grace, and in response to that rescue, uh, then uh, you, uh, another way you might describe um, that relationship you have with God, uh, you would describe it as fearing God, having a right relationship with Him. That's one way of describing it. You're fearing Yahweh. And if you have a right relationship with Yahweh, you f you're truly fearing Him, then that leads to obedience to the law, which then uh, results for Israel in good and blessing, um, and we were talking about this on Friday, that that's specific to Israel. Obedience leads to this, uh, uh, this blessing so that they attract the nations of the world. So that's the law. Now, it's like, well, I thought we were talking about Proverbs. Why are we talking about the law? Well, there's a similar sort of thing in Proverbs. Remember uh, what I said with the law. The law, you've got the fear of Yahweh. Your relationship with Yahweh should lead you to obedience, which leads you to good and blessing. Now, if you flip that over to Proverbs, the fear of Yahweh is what? You've heard this phrase before, in wisdom. Yeah, the fear of Yahweh is wisdom, okay? So the fear of Yahweh, meaning your relationship with Yahweh, your relationship with God, um, you can think of it, uh, the stream like this. That should lead you to wisdom, which should also lead you to good and blessing, but again, it's the same, initially, that's, that's the same thing for the, it's, it's set in an Israelite context. Good and blessing for Israel so that what? Uh, they might attract the nations of the world. Here's another way to think about it. The law um, in the Old Testament is supposed to give you the grid through which to filter life. So if you think about that like a mesh, right? We've got this grid uh, and the law gives you these laws, um, and also principles by which you're to go after life. But if you actually read through a lot of the laws, it's like, well, what about the corner case that misses the grid, right? You've got these, this grid, but there's situations in life that fall in between that, those grid points. So what do you do? And the answer to that, biblically, is Proverbs. Proverbs is designed to tell you, well, how do you fill in the gaps? How do you live wisely 
yes, the law is your framework, but how do you live wisely uh, in, in those gaps, um, in, the, the, in the grid that the law gives you? Um, so that's what you want to think about um, as we come to Proverbs. Uh, when you think about Proverbs, uh, I like to think about Proverbs, like the book of Proverbs, um, like a tent. Um, if you think about Proverbs like a tent, then all of what it talks about is kind of like the fabric of your tent. Um, now, uh, what happens if you only have the fabric to your tent and you don't have like tent rods and like tension and cord and thing? What happens if you just have fabric to your tent? It's flat. It doesn't help you actually. Um, and that's kind of how wisdom literature works in the Bible. That the Proverbs are designed to cover the main areas of life, but if you don't put tension on the Proverbs, uh, you're going to fall flat, and you're not actually going to cover life. And so what I mean by that is uh, Proverbs is that fabric of the tent, whereas books like Ecclesiastes and Job, uh, and even to a lesser extent Song of Solomon, the other wisdom books, they put tension on Proverbs so that uh, when you think about Proverbs, they are the general things that cover the fabric of life, but if you only had Proverbs, life would, it wouldn't cover life. It wouldn't give you the tension of life in a fallen world. So when you think about Proverbs, you also got to think about books like Ecclesiastes and Job that pull and put tension on the Proverbs, okay? Um, okay, so a few other things about Proverbs before we actually look at them. Um, Hebrew wisdom, which is what we're talking about, Hebrew wisdom literature uses much imagery that is rooted in culture, geography, economics, history. So when you come to a proverb and you're like, huh, that's weird. Well, some of that might be that you need some of the background to understand what is going on in daily life such that that proverb makes sense. Uh, I already said that proverbs are poetry. Uh, and you remember one of the key features of po Hebrew poetry that we talked about with Psalms? What's one? Parallelism, exactly, right? So the idea of one line uh, being in parallel with the next. And uh, we said that Hebrew poetry doesn't rhyme words, it rhymes ideas. And that's how parallelism is supposed to work. Parallelism is like the bread and butter of Proverbs. Um, and I think we po pointed this out in Psalms that, that, you, um, that you can... English translations, our English translations do a really good job, but some of it is just lost uh, as far as like the wording, the sounds and stuff, and the imagery that gets brought over. So you just got to keep that in mind uh, as we walk through it. Let's walk through some parallelism. We kind of did this before. We'll do it again. Turn to Proverbs 16, 18. And remember the idea of parallelism. You got line one and then line two, and somehow there's a conceptual relationship between the two lines. That's all you need to know. Um, and especially, maybe even more so than Psalms, with Proverbs, because Proverbs are designed to get you to think, you really kind of want to observe those two lines, and you want to think about, well, what's the conceptual relationship between the two lines? So, Proverbs 16, 18, uh, go ahead and someone go ahead and read that. Okay, good. So uh, what kind of parallelism is this? What is, how are line one and line two related? Yeah, kind of the build on each other. Um, yeah, it's basically another way of saying the same thing. So this is synonymous parallelism. It's 
it's saying basically the same thing in different words. So, and you can even pair up words here, right? So what does pride pair up with in the second line? I spirit, right? And then uh, what does destruction uh, uh, line up with in the second line? A fall, right? So it's, it's not exactly 100% the same, but it's pretty much the same. Um, and uh, for, for emphasis, to get you to think uh, at another angle uh, of those ideas. Well, let's look at another one, uh, Proverbs 10, 12. So I'm going to go ahead and read that one. you got Proverbs 10, 12. Good. So two lines. Um, hatred stirs up strife, line one, but love covers all offenses, line two. Okay, what is the conceptual relationship between these two lines? Contrast, good, yeah. So this is uh, what you call antithetic parallelism, or you can just say contrast, right? That's the idea, is a contrast. So, but there's still a pairing, isn't there? What is hatred paired with? Love, it's opposite, right? Uh, what is... Um, well, what stirs up um, uh, paired with? Covers. And what's strife um, paired with? Offenses, right? So even at an individual word level, again, this, some of this we can't 100% get in English, but this one does a pretty good job where um, there's a pairing of ideas, there's a contrast, and the contrast is to get you to think about that, right? So hatred stirs up strife, meaning what? Um, if someone's there stirring up strife, uh, it's, it's showing a hatred, right? But in contrast to that, if you've been offended, uh, love uh, is going to seek to cover that um, and to, uh, to bury that because it wants, uh, it wants the relationship, right? But the parallelism kind of helps accentuate this and get you to think about what's going on here a little bit more. It says it in a very pithy way, right? That's the thing about Proverbs, it's giving you a very kind of short, pithy way of thinking about an idea. That's what they're designed to do. That's why they're salty. Um, they give you, you like, you know, you, um, it's, it's not bland, it's salty, it's flavorful, and it gets you to think about it and to chew on it a little bit. Um, and that's the idea. So is this making sense? Any questions on it? Okay, uh, let's do another one. Uh, Proverbs 25, 14. Whenever someone's got that, read that. 25-14. Okay, so now this one's a little interesting. Um, how would you describe the conceptual relationship between four, uh, line one, like clouds and winds without rain, and line two, is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give? Yeah, metaphor. Good. Yeah, so it's it's... It's more like it's saying, let me give you a picture in kind of the natural realm. So we got clouds and wind without rain, which we experience here, right, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> clouds and wind without rain. Um, and, and then it, it says, all right, that's the natural world. Now let's talk about what that is a nice picture of in the real, uh, you know, in the, with regard to human relationships. Is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. 
So in this case, what do you think? Is rain viewed positively or negatively? Positively, right? Because it's compared with what? A gift. And, um, and so what's kind of the point here of this proverb? Yeah, an unfulfilled promise. Um, you're, you know, if you're looking for rain in due season, right, you're looking for rain and you see clouds and wind and you're hopeful and it lifts your spirits and then you've got a similar situation of a man is like, oh, okay, okay I'm going to give you that, but he doesn't actually, he boasts in it, but he doesn't actually give it, right? Um, and so, uh, but it gives us a nice pithy way, a nice even natural way of looking at the world to kind of think about the ideas there, right? Which even at, just for that one proverb, what could, what's a nice application we could think of? Yeah, so on one side, uh, you know, all that glitters is not gold. Wait for it, you know, don't, don't count, you know. See, those are all, uh, proverbs we have in the English language that we're ringing to describe another proverb, so that's fun. But um, you could think about it another way. Don't be the guy who's going to be the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to give that to you, or I'm going to boast in talking about giving that to you, and then you don't actually follow through, right? Um, that's a big deal. So you can look at it from both angles there, so... Okay, um, let's do one more as far as parallelism is concerned. Uh, do Proverbs 20, verse 4. Okay, what is the conceptual relationship between line one, the slugger does not plow in the autumn, um, and line two, he will seek at harvest and have nothing. Exactly. So it's less uh, either synonymous or a contrast, it's more, or even uh, metaphorical or emblematic, like the one we were looking at last. This one just builds off each other, right? So this happens, so this happens. Yeah, it's kind of consequential uh, would be another way of describing that. Um, and uh, again, it's poetry, um, and it's getting you to think about, uh, okay, the sluggard, the lazy person, doesn't plow in the autumn. Uh, he's going to uh, seek uh, a, at harvest and have nothing. Um, and so uh, don't be lazy. Work in due, um, in, in due season, right? Uh, laziness is foolish. Um, and here's the thing about foolishness in Proverbs Foolishness is not just, oh, that's a bad idea. It's morally culpable. Um, like, foolishness is sinful in the eyes of God, this kind of foolishness that it talks about. It's not just, okay, that's a bad idea, but you're morally culpable if you're a fool. Um, and um, so there's, there's that. Um, okay, so that's some um, just practice on parallelism, okay? Now, here's the fun thing. When you read through, especially starting in chapter 10 in Proverbs, and you get the, the Proverbs proper like we've been looking at, what do you sometimes feel as you're reading through a chapter of Proverbs? There's a lot there. If you look at each individual thing, uh, so there's a lot there. What else? A lot of subjects. Okay. What's that? 
okay, what's it trying to tell you? But also this, this kind of feels random, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever read through Proverbs and you kind of read it and it's like, this kind of just feels like random thought, random thought, random thought, and they're all just kind of dumped into a chapter. Uh, Well, actually, and this is another layer to the wisdom of Proverbs, they um, they are built and put together in such a way to get you to think how proverb, one proverb interacts with proverbs nearby it. Uh, and the kind of word picture to think about this is clusters and strings. Um, so the idea of clusters is you're often going to get, um, uh, you're going to get things that are near one another that are not identical, but they kind of deal with a similar theme or similar ideas, different, um, but, uh, but there's some relationship between the two. So turn to Proverbs 10, which is the first kind of chapter of the Proverbs proper. Um, someone go ahead and read verses 2 and 3 of chapter 10. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Yahweh does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Do you see a similarity between two and three? Yeah, there's... What, what are similarities uh, between the two? Wicked, wicked and righteous, right? Um, the wicked and righteous are in both. Um, and what is, what is, uh, um, wh- what happens with the wicked in each case? What's that? They don't profit, yeah. So there's no profit in wickedness, um, and on the, uh, um, what about the righteous? Yeah, so righteousness delivers from death. Uh, or in the verse 3, Yahweh does not let the righteous go hungry, right? So you see the, their individual proverbs, so they have their own individual like parallelism and how they're working, but then they're clustered together um, and be with similar ideas too. So Oftentimes, when you just kind of read the Proverbs quickly, like maybe, uh, maybe you've been in the habit of, and Ashley, I've tried to do this a little bit more recently, just like read a chapter at a time. Well, that's great to do. You should do that. Um, but when you do so, um, you kind of can gloss over how they're being clustered and strung together. You see, even at the end of Ecclesiastes, who, um, I, um, Solomon wrote, in chapter 12, it talks about how the preacher, Solomon, um, arranged proverbs with great care. So one of the things you got to think about as you're coming into proverbs is they're not just random collections of stuff. They're actually arranged with great care. So in this case, you have a pairing. You can even have them split. Um, Look at proverbs uh, just a little bit further down, 10, 8 through 10. 
The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his race crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes ruin, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. Do you see in verse 8 and verse 10, um, you've got that same idea. The babbling fool will come to ruin. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so you can you already the author... Solomon is beginning to invite you to think about not just Proverbs 8 or Proverbs chapter 10 verse 8 and not just Proverbs 10 chapter 10 verse 10 but he's also getting you to think about 8 and 10 and then if you've got a kind of a bookend structure like that well then you also are thinking about the one in the middle already right you see how this works so the Proverbs actually form clusters quite often and you can get more complicated than that and in fact, clusters can build to form strings. Uh, so let's jump back up to the beginning of the chapter, chapter 10, and see how this works. Uh, someone go ahead and read chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Okay, now I claim that's a, uh, uh, that's a unit. How do I know that? What was that, Tony? Yeah, it begins and ends with uh, a son, right? A wise son makes a glad father. A foolish son brings sorrow to his mother. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame, right? Now, what's sandwiched in between those? So we're talking about this son, this individual who's, uh, uh, you know, either being wise or foolish, bringing honor or sorrow to his family, and then what does get sandwiched in between? Yeah, wickedness, virtuous righteousness. Um, we've got verse 4, slack hand causing poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So it's telling you, uh, it's it's looking at moral and diligence qualities in the wise and foolish son, right? So that package of verses 1 through 5, each proverb is contributing, but they all work together to give a paint a picture of this is what a, a wise or a foolish son looks like uh, in terms of is he pursuing wickedness or righteousness? Is he pursuing laziness or diligence um, and that sort of a thing? So the proverbs are arranged with great care. They're not just random, um, and in fact, this can work uh, for whole chapters. So like chapter 10, if you read it through, you're going to see a lot of this and how they all um, uh, interlock in a lot of ways. Um, it's like a, you can think about it like this. It's like a plate of brownies, right? You got all these like brownies and these clusters, and then they all form together to form like this. Just They're all interconnected and stuck together in, um, in particular ways. Um, what was that? Yeah. Oh. Oh, I haven't seen those. That's cool. So there you go. I, I don't. 
evidently, um, so Ashley's talking about these cupcake cakes where you have an individual cupcake, but it's like a piece of a picture on top, and so you put all the cupcakes together and it creates like a picture. I've never seen such a thing. Evidently, I need to eat more cupcakes. That is the, the, that's, the, uh, the that's the proverb. Um, but um, think of this, this is another layer of wisdom, right? So it's not just the individual proverb that's giving you wisdom, it's also how the proverbs are connected with one another uh, that uh, relays wisdom as well. Uh, that's, they're designed to get you to meditate and to think and to think about how it applies to life, okay? Uh, any questions on that? Obviously, we could practice for a long time on that, but I'm just trying to make you aware that it's there um, so that if you got more time to read Proverbs, they're designed to get you to slow down and think, um, then be aware of that. So uh, any questions on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, like you said, a lot Proverbs is the main premise is handing down wisdom. So even if you go back to chapter one, um, and you read the seven verse, the first seven verses, it Solomon tells you like this is what this is for. He says this: Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king uh, king of Israel, to know. So here's the purpose of Proverbs: to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, it's passing down um, wisdom um, to the next generation, which is why the first nine chapters of Proverbs aren't actually like Proverbs. <laughs> They're lectures. Um, They're lectures from a father to a son in passing on to the next generation, here's what wisdom looks like. Uh, it kind of sets the prologue. So chapters one and nine in the book of Proverbs itself is a prologue, and it's only once you hit chapter 10 and kind of basically through chapter 31 that you then get um, that you then get uh, the collections of the sayings that we think of when we think of Proverbs. Um, but pro chapters 1 through 9 set the stage for, you can kind of think about it like this, the father's talking to his son to set the stage for life, and then chapters 10 through 31 is like life lived, and all these individual like um, things that, that, that happen. So uh, and even those, there's been a lot of work done on the structure of individual chapters from chapters 10 through 31 and the collections and what they're talking about and how they're working. So Proverbs isn't random. It's actually well, well constructed. Um, so just keep that in mind as you're reading them. Now, here's the big question. Um, when you come to Proverbs, um, in what sense are Proverbs true? 
right? So when we talk about the scriptures, we believe that the scriptures are inerrant and authoritative, okay? What you have to realize, though, is when you are in different genres, the different genres communicate truth differently. So like the epistle, the truth is just kind of right there on the surface, like Paul's just giving commands and he's giving reasons. It's right there on the surface, which is why we like them, right? It's right there. It's easy. Uh, live life this way in honor of Christ. Great. Love it. Uh, then when you switch over to poetry, you know, in Psalms um, or now in Proverbs, uh, well, it's still communicating truth. The question is, how is it communicating truth? And here's where you have to understand Proverbs are true, insofar as they go. Proverbs are true insofar as they go. In other words, they are unqualified truths. Uh, they present a true slice of reality. Uh, here's an analogy that might help you um, to understand what I'm saying. If I make the statement, good flour makes good bread, is that a true statement? Yeah, Okay, so I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to get some really good flour, and I'm going to plop it on the, the table, and there you go, you got some good bread. No, because I didn't give you the whole truth about bread, right? I gave you a true slice of the reality about making good bread, but I didn't give you all of what it takes to make good bread. That's how Proverbs works. Each one is giving you a true slice of reality that um, in general holds true, but everything else, and remember the illustration of the tent, everything else from the scriptures, including and especially books like Ecclesiastes and like Job, uh, pull against that. They give provide tension on the Proverbs to say, well, here's the rest of reality in a fallen world. So every time you work through um, the Proverbs, you can't, you can't just appropriate and say, this is the be-all and end-all formula for being blessed in life. You cannot do that. If you do that, you're going to be dis sorely disappointed, um, and you're going to read the Proverbs in such a way that uh, you're, you're actually going to end up kind of undermining your own faith in some ways. So, yeah, Susan. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. Right. Yeah, so that's one instance. Even that proverb, it's disputed about what it actually is saying. Because literally, in the original, it says, raise up a child according to his way. Well, what, whose way? If you mean the child's way, then even when he's old, he's going to depart, not depart from it, then that sounds negative to me. Like you just let a child go according to his way, then even when he's old, he's not going to go away from it. Now it's all of a sudden negative. Um, so the uh, so you got to be careful um, even at that level, let alone even if it was positive, like um, reading it in, as a, as a promise. Because uh, I remember there was someone we encountered same thing, right? They thought, well, it's true, it's scripture, therefore I'm going to read that as an absolute promise that this is the, how it's going to work. And then you get devastated when you see it does, life doesn't work that way because you didn't read it in the context of the whole wisdom literature. Um, that's why we say Proverbs are unqualified truths. They give you a true slice of reality. 
That's not to say, it's not arguing that, oh, well, then I don't actually follow that proverb. Well, of course, I'm going to raise my child in a way that is um, seeking to honor the Lord. But I'm not going to um, uh, be devastated um, when, when, um, when it doesn't happen or play out that way. Um, so, proper, um, so same thing with like the discipline passages. We went through those a couple weeks ago with, in, in the family series. We said, yeah, God says it's a um, corporal punishment. It's pretty clear from Proverbs. There's a lot of passages. Like, in general, that's the way to go um, as part of, as a tool uh, for raising your children. Does that mean, uh, so in general, that's what you should follow. Does that mean that uh, there aren't situations in which uh, actually, like, with an abused child that you adopted into your home, uh, that's probably not the wisest route to go because you got to read it in context of the whole, the whole, the whole thing, right? It's an unqualified truth that has to be weighed. Um, so that's part of Proverbs too: is not only what does it say, but wisdom and how do you apply it and when do you apply it. Um, so, uh, okay. Uh, so that that's that's a really key. That'll help you a lot <laughs> as you read Proverbs. Uh, they're unqualified truths. They're qualified by the rest of the wisdom literature uh, and the rest of Scripture in general. Okay? So, good, bread, good flour makes good bread, but that doesn't mean plopping flour on your table is going to make you a good loaf of bread. You've got to qualify it with other slices of reality. Um, okay? Um, so, uh, we've already kind of talked about uh, don't... Uh, present Proverbs as absolute promises or precise formulas for living. Here's another uh, way we've seen this happen. In Malawi, when we were there, a lot of the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers would just pull and rip out the Proverbs that say, well, you're diligent, or you do, you sow, you're going to get blessed, and that sort of a thing. It would just get twisted because you, you misrepresented how Proverbs are supposed to work. So when you are working with Proverbs, you think about uh, the local context, and then you also think about the scripture-wide context uh, for how to handle those. So, um, And remember this, that Proverbs and wisdom in general is there to help us pursue excellence and live skillfully in the gray areas of life. Remember that? I like that analogy of the grid. And, okay, what about uh, we have principles from Scripture that form our grid— what happens when life happens in between the grid points? Um, Proverbs give us some help and some principles of how to live skillfully and in honoring God in the gray areas of life. So, okay, any questions, um, comments as we leave Proverbs? Yeah, Patricia. Yeah. Yep. And and that's the beauty is if you kn- so if you know proverbs well, they're giving you tools to live skillfully in a fallen world and you have a if you know them well, then they ha- you have a bank to be able to speak a proverb uh when it's appropriate to do so in life. So that's a good example of like okay, that aspect of life, here's the proverb that goes along with it. Um, 
and and so with other cases through life as well. So um, I think it would be interesting to preach through Proverbs. It would ever, it's not hard to preach through chapters 1 through 9. It's hard to preach through chapters 10 through 31. But it would be interesting and um, just to, to, to bathe our minds in the, uh, the wisdom um, of how do we live skillfully for God's honor in a fallen world. So, yeah. Okay, anything else before we pray and break? All right, let's pray. Lord, we do desire to live skillfully in a fallen world. Um, Lord, we pray that we would heed Proverbs, heed your wisdom. We pray that we would heed the wisdom of Ecclesiastes and Job and Song of Solomon as well, O Lord God, that we would live um, as uh, you would want us to live, um, even in a fallen world for your honor, and even to get a taste of uh, what a, a life wisely lived, a life um, lived in the wisdom of Eden uh, would look like, um, Lord. So we just pray for grace. We pray uh, shortly for our gathering, the main gathering that's going to happen here. Um, we pray that we would uh, be able to encourage one another, sing truths. Uh, we pray that we'd be undistracted, that you would get us, give us faith and confidence in singing truth um, and in hearing the scriptures, and Lord, to be able to apply them to our lives. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time together this morning. In your name, amen.